Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, and I want to tell you guys that the uh, views and opinions listed on this show, uh, Before I Forget, are the views and opinions of the hosts and the guests alone. They are not the views or opinions of the Army, police, or any other institution. It's just our opinions, and it's just us talking. Thank you, and please enjoy Before I Forget. forget kevin and tyree here say hi kevin hey how's it going hey hey and we have a special guest today someone very near and dear to my heart and loins uh my wife sylvia brown hello sylvia hello everybody hey sylvia (laughs) hi i'm a little nervous it's gonna take me a few minutes to get comfortable everything yeah i think once we get talking you'll you'll be fine Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, let's get right into it. Like I always say, um, Sylvia, what were you <laughs> doing on September 11th? Well, we just jump right in. Okay. Um, I mean, the yeah. the filler will come in, but you know, we got to hit those hard hitting questions first, and then we'll go from there. Okay, so September 11th, I we worked for. Um, a rental car agency at LAX and I won't say the name because I'm not going to give that place any commercial time because they sucked. They sucked. But yeah. So we, um, I was on the, I was near the airport and I worked a midnight shift. So it was like kind of in the middle of the night when it all like happened on air where everybody's seen. So I was at work and people were screaming. Uh, I was a cashier, so I was in the cashier's office. And I forget the exact time, but in the morning, it was kind of, it was like morning because it was closest to my shift ending. And that's what I was doing. I was counting out my drawer to, for the next cashier to come in. And I heard a bunch of screaming. And at first I kind of stopped like, is it exciting screaming or what's going on? There's a bunch of commotion and people were screaming and crying and freaking out. So I went to where they were at the break room and they were watching it on TV. And I was just like, holy shit, like what is happening? And I just panicked and went straight to the cashier's signed that out that bag out and I got my shit and I left I didn't even tell nobody I didn't tell a manager I didn't tell, I tell anything because I know we we're at I was at the airport and I just know something was about to go down so I need to get home get to my kids and so I bounced and it was just one of those things like I don't know my heart was racing it was just get into survival mode like I gotta get home because I don't know what's going on hmm. was there a little bit of uh like you know, because it happened, you know, obviously the plans were taken. Um, I can't remember the airport. Was it JFK or whatever? Yeah, there's like, LAX. Yeah. Oh, yeah, LAX. Okay, yeah. One was so, headed to LAX. Yeah, so is, like, was there a little bit of like, this might be fucked up to say, but like relief kind of that, you know, like it sucks that it's happening there, but like, you know, like very well could have been, you know, LA or LAX or somewhere could have been a target as well. You know what I mean? 
Well, I think in that moment, big area. Yeah, I think in that moment, that's what everybody thought that it wasn't like we didn't know if that was going to be the only thing happening. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was just that we seen that. And they were like, what's next? You know, we were, that's why we were in, in my opinion, the most vulnerable place. Cause they always teach safety and what we have to do in case of, of, of a, a world event that, you know, we're at the airport and it's the most yeah. busiest, craziest time of everywhere in, in LAX or LA, Los Angeles area, the, the airport. So that's why I panic because uh, they shut it down too. So people who were there at work still had to stay. So I wouldn't have been able to go and be with my kids. I would have, if I didn't panic and just take off like that, because <laughs> they did call me like, are you safe? I was like, I left, I went home. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it was just weird. It was just crazy. It just didn't even feel real. It felt like I was watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of us. So yeah. it was just really scary. It was like a, like a movie, but uh, I didn't introduce you normally the way we would normally do because you're a little bit different. You don't have any military experience, so that brush with uh, that issue that happened on nine eleven, that incident, uh, I bring that up to ask you: What do you do now? What What did you do from that point up until now, uh, education wise, to explain who you are a little bit more? Okay. So yeah, I do. I am a professional and I am going to make a disclaimer that nothing I say moving forward about anything that I do is a, is an advertisement for myself to provide any kind of services to anybody. I am a big advocate for mental health. And, um, so I will talk a lot about that and I do have a background and so I am kind of have, I have credentials to talk about mental health. So I am an associate marriage and family therapist and I'm associate because I'm working on my licensing. So I have that background and that educational background. So I think I forget how many years after this 9-11, I can't remember. It's, I don't even think date is really important for this right now, but a few years later or a year later, I left that um, company and decided to go to college to become at first a high school guidance counselor and that was my goal I never thought I would go to grad school because you at the time don't didn't need a master's to work as a counselor in the school mm-hmm. you just needed like a bachelor's <clears throat> so that was my goal and then once I was there I decided you know I got interested in the marriage and family therapy and I did my master's in that uh, master's of science in that um so that's it just you know for me having my own trauma in my life in my kid life that I decided and going to my own therapy in my 20s in my 30s I decided I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna do something different that is meaningful that can help me help others and I just I don't know it drove me to it I was always interested in human behavior um, human nature relationships. And that's what MFTs do. If you look it up, Google it, we focus on the relationship, the systems, which is, you know, the person within the family. So that's kind of how I got interested in the, in the field that I'm in now. So that's, I guess that's it. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. That, that I do talk that. a lot too. So I do talk a lot. So that's something. Especially when you're nervous. <laughs> I do. And then I'll chit chatter. Yeah. The, the nervous yeah. comes in and I start chit chattering about other things. I, I go from another topic. So keep me, keep me, steer me in the right direction. I'll give it a shot. So, um, 
fast forward to um, 2005, me and Kevin, we get out of the army. I head back to Los Angeles or Inglewood, California, really Hawthorne kind of to be precise. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. me and you meet. Mm-hmm. How, what do you remember from that? The, well, the, the best occasion you can recall anyway. Well, I mean, so the, so when you were out of the army, I remember the first time I saw you when you were done was at your grandma's house in the backyard. They're doing barbecue. And I know I've been a part of the family for five years because of, you know, you're a family friend and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know when I, you, I had already had a couple of introductions before that, like in different years. So a couple of years before I met you in passing and you were just the, the family member in the, the army. And then when the war and all that stuff, you know, then, you know, knowing that, you know, the family member who's there doing all that, it's just like, I didn't need to know you to feel like, worried or scared and so then when I finally actually met you that day at the at at the grandma's house it was like I got to know the person that everybody always talked about but you were it was a weird situation it was a weird situation we were drinking do I have to say everything like how I thought no we'll scoop that whole part right on out and from then on we were dating (laughs) well no we became friends first true I yeah. think that's important that we became fr- We were friends first mm-hmm. and then it evolved. Yes. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit after that, um, it evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you, 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 yeah, I can't speak. You're going to school for, uh, to be a marriage and family therapist. Well, now at that time, when I knew you, I was at El Camino College working on my associate's of science degree. Okay. Uh, my my um, associate's degree and working on transferring to a university to do my bachelor's in psychology. So you met me about two years into my my community college years. So I didn't know I wanted to be a marriage and family therapist. Then at that point I was going to, I was working on my thought, I want to be a high school guidance counselor. I want to help teenagers. Mm. That was my goal back then when I met you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think a few years after we started dating, I go back into the army, uh, into the reserves. So for a minute, you're an army wife. Uh, from mm-hmm. what was it about 2008 till 2017 roughly mm-hmm. uh, did you have uh, or did you worry about any kind of like deployments or anything like that well you know technically we we're still in the middle of a war even though it really wasn't on the front lines of the newspapers uh, what were your concerns during that time Well, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a scary time. It was, I mean, it's always scary when you're, well, I don't know. Okay. So the question, yes, because you were military, it was, it was a very, and I have a lot of anxiety anyway. Um, So it was always a nervous thing to, to think about. So I chose to not think about it. You know what I mean? You just tune it out of your mind. and But every time you put the uniform on, you had to leave for the weekends. And then you had those, those three weeks. And I remember being pregnant with Anthony. The one time you had to be deployed for three weeks. And I know 
my, you know, maybe else, somebody else's situation is a lot different, but I wasn't, this isn't, wasn't a life I, you know, knew. So this was new to me and having to be pregnant and him not there. And I could go into labor. It was just weird and stressful and emotional. So, cause you're pregnant and then you, you know, you're not, you don't have your, the other person there and you're, you know, so it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, wasn't easy. Uh, the initial, you know, first time of me going through the military was just me. I didn't have a family to worry about. Now all of a sudden have a family to worry about. And, uh, psychologically things kind of changed for me a little bit. And you can explain that more than I can. I think, uh, you being a spouse of a veteran of a war, uh, I started to display certain signs of PTSD and others. Um, what what can you comment on that? Well, um, actually, we go all the way back to when you first got out of the Army, and that was something that kind of drew me to you, your trauma. You know, I don't know, that's something in, that I think about, like trauma people kind of like, draw themselves to each other. And I think that's what one of the things that drew us to each other because you were suffering from, from PTSD back then. And me being my future psychology major and moving on in that world and going in that direction and studying all that stuff, one of the science classes I took was biopsychology and El Camino. So studying all the you know chemistries of the brain and then how everything affects it and Trauma is one of them that changes and affects the brain. So being your friend and hanging out with you and hearing your stories, um, I knew back then you was you had PTSD. And we talked about I, I don't know if you remember or not, but we talked about it then. I was like, you should go talk to somebody because it really sounds like that's what you what you have going on because you had a lot of the symptoms and then me being a student, I'm like doing research and looking it up. And you probably didn't even, I, I don't think I ever even told you. <laughs> you were kind of a little bit of a, of my experiment, but I just, not because I was like, you know, I wasn't experimenting. I, I was just like, Observing. it was my, in, yeah, it was my interest. And I see, I was hearing it and you were telling me the stories and you were telling me how you were feeling and kind of things that you were going through back then personally. So I just recognized it. So I just did more research and I did try, I, I did talk to you about like, Hey, you should go talk to somebody, you know, they have people who, you know, they help veterans. And, um, I don't remember what your response was. I think you were like, you think about it and, or something like that back then. Yeah. At the time I said, I think about it, but mm-hmm. mm. Like I really, Mm-mm. I don't think I was ready to talk to somebody else about that kind of stuff. It was still pretty fresh. I mean, uh, yes. we're talking 2005, 2006, maybe even mm-hmm. 2008. That was only a few years ago. If it was 2005, that was just a few months ago that we were in the middle of that. So yeah, I, I, I so can't recall I knew jumping in the all that on you about. Uh, I kind of feel yeah. bad about it now. Like man, this. Well, no, I took that all. on myself. I I don't put blame on just one person i i like i said i i like we have our own special relationship and our connection i just feel like we connected to each you had a goal to like protect me and i had a goal to protect you and help you because i just like you know ha- having developing feelings for you and loving you and then me getting in the field i was like oh this is like one of my i'm gonna get emotional do you do that is are you guys allowed to do that <laughs> is this your show 
get emotional? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Well, so I don't know, like me falling in love with you and me going into the field, I always had this goal of helping you and myself because I can't. So, so that I had recognized your symptoms in the beginning. I knew you had what you had, you know, I knew you had PTSD back then. I knew that's what you were struggling with. So it was throughout our whole entire relationship that we had our, you know, that, 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 that those symptoms were there in our, in our life. That yeah. aftermath of that, you know, war stuff. And you had a lot of guilt and you, you blamed yourself. And one of the things it was, it's hard, but it's not your fault. So we just have to figure it out. And that's why I'm a big advocate for, you know, therapy, mental health, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not easy, uh, folks dealing with, uh, PTSD. A lot of you guys have seen things. A lot of you guys have heard things. We've talked about things on the show all the time. Uh, I can't stress how important it is to talk to somebody holding that stuff on the inside. Uh-huh. Uh, Sylvia, you can attest to this cause you know, you study this stuff. It's not so great. And I'm really glad that I got to open up to you about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's one of the things too, is like not a lot of people have their own like ways of coping or communities and people they're connected to. So it's not just like, Oh, like you, it's, it's not about just going to get therapy. It's like talking to somebody, like you said, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a therapist. You know, people have go to church, your pastor, your, you know, just your family member, somebody, you know, and that's, you know, what I do, the work that I do, that's what we do. We can connect people to their natural supports, you know, because they need therapy is not forever. And we want them when you need to talk to somebody, you need to learn like what that feels like, like what it feels like when you're, when you're struggling, you know, everybody's symptoms are a little bit different, but PTSD is kind of the same for everybody, you know, but it's like obviously different experiences and different um, events is, but the feelings that people get inside is kind of the, the same feeling. So, you know, you just, you kind of, you know, with therapy, it helps you learn to identify all that, like, like what you're going through inside and, and what triggers you, um, different things. You don't know it could be a smell sounds, you know, uh, uh, the way a temperature feels in the day, you know, um, anything so you you know once you learn how that is in your body you learn you learn how to take care of yourself in those moments you know and use your coping you develop coping skills and and you know you know it's things that we already know we're doing you just learn how to do it in a like a you know with professional guidance and somebody like you know who's kind of helping you along the path not telling you what to do but like kind of helping you figure it out yourself so you know you're able to kind of manage in those moments you know yeah, uh, I was gonna say. Um, I think the 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 smell and the um, sound thing was a really big one. So like, especially when we first got home, right? Because like you know we weren't necessarily expecting all of those residual effects, and um, so you hear something or you smell something that reminds you of something over there or whatever, and not realizing that that is going to be a trigger, and then it uh-huh. is, and you're like, oh my gosh, like how do I handle this? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you know, o- over time, you know, it's just like, okay, so I know that if I smell a certain thing or, um, usually it's like kind of hard to explain, but like when at the gas pump, 
it's like a combination of gas and dirt and grease for whatever reason that like reminds me of Iraq. Um, so I know now, like if I, if I'm going to a gas station, which is, you know, pretty often now, um, uh, that, uh, if I, if I smell that it's, it's, that's what it's going to remind me of. And usually it's, it's okay now, you know what I mean? But, or like different sounds too, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, I remember when I came home, my sister and I were going to somewhere downtown Fort Smith and, you know, a car had backfired and, uh, that kind of made me jump a little bit or we were right when we were still in Germany before we left, uh, before we got out we were at the, in Würzburg, the house of 150 beers mm-hmm. and a, a semi had released its air brakes and it reminded me of a, uh, of an RPG. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <clears throat> I mean, it's funny to think about now, but like, yeah, like it's definitely like sounds and smells really do, mm-hmm. um, uh, really do act as, uh, as triggers. And another thing I was going to say is, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people you know, that have, some form of PTSD from some event. A lot of people seem to think that like, Oh, but but yours is worse because you went to war. It's like, well, Uh like what happens in the mind is the same. It doesn't matter if it's from a car accident or witnessing Uh something bad or, you know, tripping down a flight of stairs and now you're afraid of stairs. PTSD is PTSD. It doesn't matter. You know, like the the way Uh your your mind responds to it is the same. Yeah. Well, Yes. And I'm going to say yes. And there's a second part to that. It does like the chemicals and everything that's happening inside the brain is all the same. But however, we all have different responses because we all have. Mm. And this is why I eventually when I was in um, undergrad school, got interested in the marriage and family therapy concept because it, it, it your responses and how you respond to things based on your system and where you grew up in and your environment and what you were taught. So people are going to respond to that differently. So right. whatever is happening in the brain and whatever is going on, everybody's it's happening the same, but then the responses are going to be different. So I think that's, that's like the, the other key component is like, and then also like resiliency, everybody has a, you know, born with a different resiliency. So, so you hear people come, they, you, you know, like even in your, um, you know, the people that you guys had interviewed, you guys work together, everybody, responded differently to the same trauma that they went through right and so it's like that's that's the other component too knowing some people are going to have it difficult because maybe they had already a lifetime of trauma and then they go into the army and there's more you know so that's it's complex traumas and trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma so that's going to be a response differently so it's also every time you experience a traumatic event it changes the chemicals in your brain so it adds it's like on top of each other on top of each other so it's just it's like some people could say well my trauma was what's in your trauma but it, i mean not i mean maybe that's their perception of it but if you have multiple traumas your brain is continuously and then it's even worse for kids because their brain isn't even fully developed so now you're changing the whole development of them with trauma so their whole de- uh, developmental stages is going to be changed chemically when they're experienced trauma. So it's just, it's so, it's just, trauma is just really, it's awful. <laughs> you know, that's all I could say. It's just awful, but it's so important to be able to like know this stuff and, you know, you, you know, just like there's things you could do to get help. You know, you can help yourself. You could feel better. You don't have to be impaired. Mm-hmm by it you know like impairment right. like 
you know, some people, it's hard to be out in the public and, you know, some people can't go outside, you know, you can, there's things you could do to feel better, or at least better and like cope while you're dealing with it. Yeah, for sure. I get it. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of, I think of like, <clears throat> I mean, one, like for me, it was a matter of like figuring out like what things, um, that, uh, what am I saying? Um, like what the differences were, like what my triggers were, what issues that I actually was having, you know, being honest with myself about like, you know, there is something wrong if there's, you know, things are not how they used to be. And then, um, and then what I did is I kind of thought about, I tried to think about like how I was before the military or before Iraq. And then I tried to like, think about how I was now or at the time. And then I tried to like, you know, try to see if I could make those changes to, to kind of be that former version of myself. Um, which is kind of, it's, a uh, it's, a. Uh, it's, I don't want to say it's like a dead end path because I mean, I think in some ways you can, you can pull some of those things off, but I went to a therapy consult not too long ago. And one of the things that I, I talked to that lady about was, um, I would like to be able to, um, participate in society without, um, without knowing the things that I know, right. Like without having these images in my head or these experiences in my life. And, um, because, you know, your average person who's never really experienced the things that, you know, Tyree and I have, and uh, all, all of our, our buddies we've had on the show and everyone else mm-hmm. we were deployed with, or everyone else that's deployed, um, we've all experienced a certain thing, um, a very specific thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard, it's impossible to get those things out of your mind. Whereas like your, the rest of your, your average person, you know, they don't know what it's like to see a person's head split open from, you know, uh, munitions or, you know, being shot or blown up or body parts all over. Cause they don't, they don't, they don't know what that looks like when I mean, they see it in movies, they might look up pictures on the internet, but they don't know what it's like to see that in real life or to be the cause of, of that. So I think, um, when I, when I was talking to her about it, I was like, man, I would just, I would, I would enjoy being able to walk down the street, um, or to exist in life and, and not have those things in my head. And she's like, well, those are just, that's impossible because, uh-huh. you know, you can't wipe your own memory. And so it's a matter of accepting that those things happened and that, you know, realizing that you are safe where you are, um, but you know, and, and like I said, it's, it's almost a, de- it's almost a dead end because, I don't know. Like I, I think I, I definitely have the whole hypervigilance thing. You know, if my dog mm-hmm. growls in the middle of the night, like I'm definitely grabbing my gun um, <laughs> and watching the doors and windows for the next half hour um, or, you know, just being out in public driving around and just being aware of everything or, you know, where we sit in restaurants, all of those things. I mean, you know, and, and those are like the common things like right, that everybody knows, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to have my back to an exit or a door or to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just, that was one of the things that I, t- I talked to her about and then she kind of made me realize, and it's kind of a duh moment, right? Like you can't wipe your own memory. You will forever have those things in your mind. So it's just a matter of understanding that that was that moment that was from that deployment that was from that life. And it's, that's not where you are. And it's okay to still kind of have those things in your mind. Um, and it's just a matter of learning how to be happy around those things. Mm-hmm. So really quickly, um, we're going to have to take a quick break, uh, but I want to set up a little uh, bridge between breaks. Uh, Sylvia and Kevin actually got to meet at one point um, before we got married and all that kind of stuff. 
Sylvia recall mm -hmm. our trip down to Arkansas? <laughs> I've met him before that. Yeah, yeah, we met in 2005. I met when, I when we were just friends, and you guys went to Vegas for your birthday. I oh, met him yeah. then. Yeah, he came right. to the house. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. him then. Okay, yeah. so we we can talk about uh, your thoughts on meeting Kevin and uh, our relationship and all that kind of weird stuff. In just a yeah, second. Yeah, it, it wasn't until the Arkansas time was when we were already dating. We Our relationship had changed we were dating, and then I guess that was the official meet. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, when we come back uh, from this quick break, on before I forget, we'll talk about that. forget we're gonna continue our conversation with sylvia brown my wife and marriage and family therapist uh just talking to us about some of um some of the signs to look out for uh for our fellow uh service members hey everybody hey All right. hello so uh we ended our last conversation before the break with uh, Sylvia's introduction to Kevin. Uh, what do you remember about that? Um, both, both, like of I said, is, both of you. Oh, do you want me to go first? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the first time I met him was like I said at the back of the grandma's house and it's just, I didn't really think um, much. I don't know what's how to answer that. Like, <laughs> like, how do I, like, he was a cool guy. You guys were funny. It was like exciting. I was excited for you guys. Cause you go, you know, it was your first time going to Vegas. Um, I think Kevin and Terry, cause you were just turning 21. <laughs> um, but so you, so you guys are all excited and happy and you had your car rental. So I was like, so that was a cool moment that it was like a positive thing. Like, Oh, he's a cool dude. So that's what I thought the first time. Then the second time we met um, in Arkansas, which was the same, like, cool dude, but I, you know, there there was something about you that bothered me, and I had to say it because I wanted to like you so bad because you were my husband's best friend, and, you know, you guys were in the war together, so there's this other component, and so also I was excited to be around the relationship to see it, like, to observe it, and you know, I'm still studying this, these years ago, but I don't know what the, the time frame is now when I meet him. I don't know how far into it it is. So I don't know where I'm at education wise. Sorry. Can you say, put, so like, when, when we first met, that was in 2005. And then mm -hmm. when y'all came to Arkansas, that would have been uh, like January or February of 2007. Yeah. So two years later. Okay. So I was already now in the doing my undergrad stuff. We're uh, studying psychology. So I was excited about meeting you and then also like maybe hearing stuff of, like how you guys are coping and dealing with life after all this stuff is happening. So, and then the relationship between Tyree, cause he didn't have friends, <laughs> you know, he didn't have any <laughs> friends out here. So just to see that dynamic. Well, I mean, I have, I was excited friends. about I knew, it. I knew I, people. I just didn't like 
them. You didn't have friends like you know, like the friendship you had with with Kevin, like how his friendship, what it means to you. You don't have friends like that out here. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. There's none. Yeah. So that was another thing exciting because who is excited to go to Arkansas? I'm sorry. Hey now, hey now. Hey, hey now. I'm a busy person, and when I go on vacations, <laughs> I want to go somewhere really, really like cool. But you made it really fun, so that was cool. Yeah. It so, was but good. yeah, it was the, so the excitement was coming from like being able to meet you and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I I remember when when I went to LA. So that was my first time to go to Los Angeles. It's my first time to go to Vegas as an adult. Um, I went as a child, and everyone knows Vegas is not for children, so boring, circus, circus. So yeah. a lot of standing around while my parents gambled. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but I do remember I do remember um, meeting you at um the the, the like a barbecue i guess wasn't it mm-hmm. and uh or a cookout whatever y'all call it out there um and um i so you guys weren't dating at that Mm-mm. time but Mm-mm. y'all were about to like y'all were thinking about it um Mm-mm. no i don't think so uh tyree was mm. yeah, yeah we, we talked about it yeah there you go so Surprise. <laughs> I mean, when we left, as soon as we left, I was like, so world premiere. It's true. <laughs> um, and then we got in the Chrysler 300 and we drove across the desert and blew a ton of money on Vegas. Yeah. Very bad idea. Um, and then we all came to Arkansas. So I, to this day, still hate how that trip for y'all and all of that worked out because I remember picking all up in Tulsa in my Mustang um, in the tiny ass back seat and then getting lost on the way back home because GPS wasn't a thing. And I, I don't drive to Tulsa uh, on purpose. Um, and then, and then um, I can't remember where y'all stayed, but I know it was an empty house and we had a shitty apartment and I, I just, I don't know. I mean, the reception was cool, but I think overall, like I, I feel like that trip was definitely, um, for y'all a real bummer <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to say I totally disagree and that's like my personality is in my, now I'm a little bit bougie but back then <laughs> I don't know I guess I was because I by that point I'm I'm falling in love with Tyree so I just to be with him and be on the adventure like I'm very adventurous I like to do like you know, I'm have I'm ridden with anxiety for my trauma, so I don't I'm so afraid of a lot of things, so I don't try things out and like flying, I'm claustrophobic, germs, people. I think that's why we get along, me and Tyree, because um he hates people and I hate him too. Right. Um but but you know, um it's not even a joke. so I I actually, it was, it was, it was kind of a downer because then we were stuck because I ended up getting us like standby tickets and I was like, never, (laughs) but it kind of set the tone for our marriage, our relationships and our future vacations. But, um, I actually had a good time. I didn't, I didn't like not enjoy it. It was fun. Like to me and Tyree, it was fun. We had a, we had a good time. I mean, he's never said he hated it or, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously our, I mean, we laugh about the accommodations. We weren't bougie to like, oh my God, this is sucks. No, we didn't feel that way. We were just like, I don't know. Yeah, no, it worked out. It was weird. It was our first, it was our first time traveling somewhere too. So that was another thing in the relationship. Like if you could travel with somebody and get through it, then you're good, you know? So that was another thing. And we we had to stand by for (laughs) hours because it was like, something was going on. I don't know if there was a weather or something. So we were stuck in the airport for a long time. 
Yeah. So, but that, so when we got in that small ass bus pickup, we were so happy just to be out of the airport and like free. Mm-hmm. So I was good, Kevin. So I'm sorry, you know, don't, you know, <laughs> I know well, maybe we'll it was see. you, maybe you wanted more so you could do a makeup, you could do a redo. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know, like if you, if, if someone's going to like take the time out of their day and, 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 you know, and fly to <clears throat> come see me for, especially for like a, an event like that. I mean, it was our, it was our reception for when I got married and, um, it just, to, to me, it was like, you know, it, it could have been, it could have been better, but I, I don't know. I just, I, you mean, not, I mean, you're, you're right. Like nobody, not a lot of people travel to Arkansas, like to, to site to sightsee or for tourism. But when we do, we do have that here. If you're into nature shit or history or digging for your own diamonds, like we, there's plenty of things to do in Arkansas. There really is, but mm-hmm. um, y'all weren't, y'all weren't coming here for that. And you're coming to ghetto ass Fort Smith. Um, <laughs> and then saying, and I believe it was my um, ex-wife's father's like a rental that he had. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We had it to ourselves. It was private. It was cool. It was like, you know, if it was bugs or rodents in the house and it was like abandoned, I would have been like, oh, hell no. But it was clean. It was cool. And, you know, she tried to make it as comfortable as possible. So I appreciated the effort. And it's like, yeah, we, if we all had extra money, like even Tyree, that was it. That was his, his, um, set up for uh, next time you ever invite me to go on vacation. It is not going to be like this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you better save some money and I have my comforts have to go up a little, but like I said, I'm not that kind of person. Like I love Tyree and I wanted to, he wanted to share this with me. You were his best friend. You're getting married. So I was down and we have fun and we just stayed faded. So (laughs) that's always a good time. So, you know, it was cool. It was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say it was pretty cool. Um, uh, you you know, because that was the first time my, my family had met um, well, I, I take that back. The, so the, Billy Jack had come to visit me once and he came come to my dad's house, my dad's stepmom's house and he visited us there. But then, you know, this was like, this was my entire family. Um, my, at the time wife and her family. Um, so in, in a lot of ways it was kind of like, um, or I, I don't know, kind of, I don't want to say like validation of like the experiences that, that we had while we were there. Cause I know by this point, you know, like I, I had, been through it mentally. Um, you know, I'd kind of pulled myself a bit out of isolation and that, you know, I jumped into this marriage, um, which was a terrible idea. And, uh, I was trying to get, I was trying to get back on my feet and back into the world. And then like having one of my, my army buddies come out and visit, you know, it was kind of like a thing of like, see, like, like I I do get along with people. Here's one of them. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Cause yeah. he was, he was your sense of normalcy. So it's like right, when yeah, you yeah. come back and that's another thing too, trying to acclimate yourself to your own family that you grew up with, that you're different, you're a changed person. And, and he was a familiar to you. Like he, you know, so he was like comfort. You could like take a breath and relax a little bit with him around, you know? So that's, mm-hmm. that was the thing too, that I, I just was like, I wanted to be a part of that. And I was happy, like I was, you know, happy to be a part of that. Like, you know, building on me and Terry's relationship and to be able to share that. And yeah, I mean, we've all had those relationships that don't work out. They weren't (laughs) the, maybe the best choices, but I always try to find a positive in everything. So something positive came out of whatever your, your moment. Uh, no, actually I, I, I say that, but, um, 
you know, and this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to like say anything bad about her business. She was going through her own things in life. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, I was drinking very heavily at the time, uh, before she and I got uh, uh, together and then during, and then, you know, seeing like, you know, the, the sober moments where you're able to kind of look at like, you're, you're, kind of, you're able to like reevaluate like yourself and your relationship. And you're like, you know what? I, I don't, there was a moment for me where I was like, I don't want this anymore i don't want to be the drunk couple who's you know always just you know broke and and um just wasted and not being able to like take in life and so i tried to like back off of it and um she wasn't necessarily on board with that um i don't know but it ended up working out in the end um for i guess both of us after the divorce so that was that was fine Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah yeah that's it's tough and it happens you know people go through go through that they go through broken relationships and stuff and me and Tyree had so many moments that like a few months into the marriage I'm like I want an atonement <laughs> um I'm, I don't, I don't uh-uh, this is not what I signed up for um and I was pregnant I was emotional so I was a raging hormone person um my sister she's been married for over 30 years and I don't know that we've been me and Tyree been together for 16 years so back then I forget like 14 years ago um I, I talk call my sister and she's like girl do you, you know that's you gotta some of the things that you know your your issues are you can't you know put that on on him you have to you know figure things out or whatever so she gave me some good advice she's like that's your husband you got to stand by him blah 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 so that, that's part of it too. Like, you know, when you're in a relationship, it has to be a mutual thing. And, and you, you know, you mentioned, you know, she had her issues too. So it's like, yeah, that we, you, you connect yourself to people like that. And to, you know, if the relationship is meant to be like with Tyree and I, it's like, I can't do this until, unless we get help. So we went to marriage and family therapy. So we went to see one in, in our two years into our marriage and, I feel like it kind of saved us because we were able to start building skill um, early into our marriage. And he was open to it. Obviously, by then I was in grad school for marriage and family therapy. So he was like, he couldn't be like, no, I'm not going. He could have said, no, I'm not going to therapy. But then he's like saying he don't believe in me and my dream or what I wanted to do in my life by then. And he never was like that. He's very always been supportive. He's always wanted to you know, feel better. I think that's something I like to use the term with my anxiety. I've never, that's what my therapist says. She's like, what is your goal for therapy? When I went in my forties, you know, I went to therapy in my twenties and thirties in my forties. She's like, what is your goal? I said, I want to not feel the way I'm feeling. Just like you, Kevin, you go in there and you say to the rest, I I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to go out in the universe and feel afraid for my life, you know, that I'm, somebody's going to hurt me. And, and I want to be able to do things and not be afraid of it and live life, quality of life. She's like, well, you're never going to not experience your things. You're going to, you're always going to remember your mind is, that's the way our minds are. We're going to remember our traumas. They're going to be triggered. We're going to be triggered by the scents, smells, the temperature, the temperature in the room can trigger you. So it's like, you don't have to go to therapy, but just educate yourself, talk to somebody, you know, you know, read literature, do, do something for yourself to identify that stuff. Cause if you're feeling these things, you know, it impairs you in some way. So it affects your relationships, it affects who you're connected to in life, you know, cause your choices you're making, 
just people self-medicate that's you know just to feel better or to not think about it you know part of one of a symptom of ptsd is avoidance yeah. you're hypervigilant you avoid everything that reminds you of it so if, if 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 outside environment you can't go outside and it triggers you then you're not going to want to go outside and you have those people who never go outside they're staying home and then it becomes you know another thing so being able to know that you're going through these things and saying like hey this is this is not enough your family members usually are are quick to say uh, uh, point things out like hey i noticed you haven't been connecting you're not talking and and it's important for family members to also be intuitive and know like, Hey, you know, do, do some research and look it up. You can, there's our Googles everywhere. And it, you can, if you think somebody's suffering from PTSD, cause you see some signs, obviously hypervigilance, isolation, they avoid, um, withdrawal. Um, there's a whole list of it. I could put my glasses on and read through them if you guys want me to, but it's just, I mean, you guys pretty much can go and, you know, the information's out there, but you know, sometimes you you're avoiding it because you don't want to feel like this. You don't want to be like this. So you avoid it. You know, obviously you have to have experienced the trauma, but there also is that like, um, vicarious trauma. So like, Maybe they weren't part of that trauma, but they responded to it, like first responders, people, mm-hmm. like news people, you know, that they're when they're taking pictures or recording things, like stuff like that. Or sometimes when you're told about somebody's trauma, so it's a lot of like doctors, therapists, they get that vicarious trauma, but it is different and it does respond differently in your body, but... Yeah. So you're, you're, you start, you, you have the ruminating thoughts. So the, the, the flashbacks. So all of us, you're just sitting there one day walking and then you have a flashback to something. And, uh, and that's something that comes up and that's some, you know, that causes other type of feelings. And then um, there's, Oh, detachment and estrangement from others. So you feel detached from others. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. persistent inability to experience positive emotions. So you're, you're never happy. You can't, you know, so there's a lot of other symptoms besides hypervigilance, irritable and angry outbursts, mm-hmm. reckless or self destructive behavior, exaggerated startle response. So every little thing makes you jump sleep disturbance. Um, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say on the on the on the flashbacks thing. Like, it's not like in the movies. I mean, I guess sometimes for some people it could be, but it's not like in the movies where you see like somebody is literally taking back to taken back to that moment and they're reliving it. I mean, and and they're maybe maybe even acting it out in like their current situation. Um, but I mean, for like for me, I remember when I watched the documentary Restrepo um, about the the unit that was in the Corngall Valley. Um, I can't remember what year it was, 2007, maybe um, a couple of medals of honor came out of that whole event um, or whole deployment for those guys. But anyway, um, watching it, I watched it like a Saturday morning and I had all these plans. I was going to go to the gym. I was going to do this. I was going to go to the grocery store and do my chores for the, for the weekend and all that stuff. And I just watching it, like it was like, it was a weird flashback moment for me. I mean, I didn't go to Afghanistan. I wasn't in Cornwall Valley. We were in Iraq, but it's still, was in my mind it just kind of like um you know you let that, that thousand yard stare we're just kind of staring off and you're just kind of like in in the moment there do you know what i mean does that make sense mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> so it wasn't necessarily like going through the motions and like like i was there or you know having like this like intense response externally but like internally in my mind it was definitely 
all of this shit just played out. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, when the movies do describe people going like reliving it and they're in that state of mind that, that like, um, Where they, like they're in their own distorted. And, yeah. yeah. It, it is possible to be like that, but there's like a lot, <laughs> like a lot of factors involved. Like some people have different dual diagnosis. So they're not only, uh, do they have PTSD that they're like, have some other kind of disorder, um, you know, bipolar or schizophrenia or you know something like that so you know it it just some people do have that experience as well where they're actually physically in that moment um but that's a more intensive you know obviously severe um way to experience it uh, that's why all you know i that's why i'm a big advocate of like if you're just feeling a certain type of way just you know, go to somebody, talk to somebody. There's so many different um, resources for people to, you know, get the kind of help that they're, you know, they can connect to. So that's what I was saying, like somewhere in your communities, like, I don't know, support groups, or if you're in your church and talk to people from your church, or um, if you're in school, you know, there's people on campus who there's programs, you know, the veterans, you know, yeah, every and even just other something. trauma, other traumas like survivors for other different things, you know, abuse. You know, there's all kinds of support for everybody if you just gotta kind of look for it and be willing to talk about it. That was a big thing. <clears throat> I, I think I that's home, yeah, yeah. When that's I came a big home, thing too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, when I came home, my my uncle, so he he went to Vietnam in the late '60s, and you know he'd been in and out of the VA system since first therapy and he had ancient wardrobe bad and just various other health concerns. But as far as like his, his PTSD was stuff that he did in Vietnam. Um, I remember him telling me that uh, he's like, yeah, I tried to do the group therapy thing and talking about it and all that stuff. And it's like, all it did was just fuck me up even more. And, and then I just sit there and, you know, like I'm listening to other people's stories and I'm telling my stories and it's just, it just sends you right back there. And he's like, it did more harm than good. And so I took that as like, well, then, I guess I don't need to be telling people these things because that's all it's going to do. So the best way to get past it is just not think about it and not talk about it and just kind of put it behind me. And, you know, as I know now, like that kind of causes um, a bit of an internal explosion, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it just comes out and it manifests in different ways. And that's where you get like the anger outbursts and self-destructive behavior and all sorts of stuff. And um, fortunately I had a really, 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 pushy best friend who, um, refused to not let me talk uh, to, you know, not let me not talk about it. Um, and she just made me talk about it and she'd ask me questions and to the point where I was like, you know, it's like, I can't do anymore, blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, she definitely helped me like talk about it more. And, um, you know, and then coming back into the, the military, like once I became a drill sergeant, like being able to stand in front of soldiers and, you know, tell them, what to expect when they deploy based off of my experiences that really helped immensely. I was like, well, wait a second. So maybe, maybe, you know, talking about it does help. Um, and it gives you, at least for me, you know, especially doing the drill sergeant thing, like it kind of gave me a bit of purpose when it came to talking to them about, you know, what they would experience and, and all this other stuff. So it was, you know, kind of an added bonus to the job that I was already doing because I wanted them to be as 
or more prepared than I was. You know, I wanted them to know what they, you know, what they were getting into and what to expect and what to expect when they came home. Um, so I kind of took it, you know, I made that kind of my personal mission and it helped a lot. Like it helped immensely to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely talking about it does help a lot more than people would expect for sure. Exactly. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like when we, I had, I do a lot of trauma focused trauma focused work because I work with kids and, um, and the agency that I work with and, and they, they, you know, kids who experience trauma. And so we have to approach trauma in a different way. So when you go to therapy, you're going to, they're going to provide you with that therapeutic model for trauma. And you don't just talk about your trauma, like what happens. So you can't expect people to do that. And that was one of the, the things that I was, when Tyree started this podcast was my concern. I said, Tyree, you're going to have to, you're, you're talking about things that are going to trigger emotions in these people. And you're going so you need to be able to direct them to something because what are they going to do with all these emotions? They got to be able to know how to like deescalate themselves. And, and, you know, so like channel it somewhere because it's going to stir up all these feelings and even him doing this podcast has stirred up his and he had a an episode um for new year's that i didn't know about but we ended up communicating about it 24 hours later and then i knew what was going on so you know that's the thing too you know with when you do trauma focused work they don't you don't talk about the actual trauma you, you help them identify well what's the impairment what's going on inside so you're figuring out the feelings you know, your feelings, how your body feels. So like when I go out, you know, when I'm, when I come to school, I feel triggered with everything, blah, 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 blah. Cause I'm dealing with kids. So same. So with veterans, the same thing, like I go out in these noises or these smells are triggering me. So you learn how to identify what's going on inside your body. And, and you know, because you know, it's there, it's happening. And then how do I calm that down in that moment how what do i do you know deep breathing take a brief walk like little moment things that you do for that moment because like your therapist said um kevin it doesn't ever go away you just learn how to manage it and that's kind of what the therapy teaches you or that you know doing something like that and then when I, when you're so talking about it to me is like talking about your symptoms talking about hey i'm i'm going through this like i can't get out of bed i can't i'm, I'm afraid to go outside i i'm not eating or i'm overeating or i'm doing drugs or I'm drinking too much or, you know, those are the things you, you you know, it's important to talk about too. Like letting people know that you are going through something, you're suffering from something, you're, you're feeling something. What's making you feel that way. That doesn't, you know, that comes when you're, you know, when you, when you're ready to talk about that, you know, I Mm -hmm. went to therapy in my twenties and my thirties and I did not address my trauma until my forties. I was not ready. And it's, it's a doozy because it opens all those wounds. And then like when you have multiple trauma, it opened the wounds to everything. So it's like, you're so vulnerable and it's just really, really hard. But I know because I'm a therapist, it's part of the process to kind of move forward. Like it's always going to be there. It's always going to be in my mind. I'm I'm always going to have the flashbacks, but I'm going to be able to manage in that moment. And I have been, sometimes I don't, I can't, you know, you rely on your natural supports. Like my husband's always there. We're there. You know, he knows. I, I let him know. Now I tell him like, hey, I need support. And he can know that just, well, whatever we do to get out of our that mood, we do that. And then we move on. And so it's over. So, you know, sometimes it's coupled with depression because you feel bad. Like you're constantly going through this. You're constantly feeling this way. You're constantly having to manage. And it's it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And it is discouraging. Like, gosh, am I ever going to feel better? So that's why it's like, 
part of the therapy to figure out how do I keep feeling positive about it. You know what I think? Right. A lot of veterans, uh, when it comes down to therapy, um, I think uh, they think the people who are professionals in that field should be able to fix me. And I'm not seeing the results. I want to see the results. I want to not feel this way. Like you guys are saying, like you want to feel different and Mm -hmm. you think, okay, this therapy stuff is the magic cure. It's going to change everything in one go or a couple goes like, no, man, you gotta, you gotta sit in that shit sometimes, man. And, and you gotta deal with it and not deal with it. Like, Oh, it's, it's a fucking fight. And, and well, maybe in some cases it is, you know, like it, it's not an easy task, but you, sometimes you have to sit down with yourself and, and just try to heal yourself. You you can't expect the therapist or whoever with these pills or whatever to make you feel better like that because it's not going to happen. I need you guys to understand, not you guys, YouTube, you know, people listening like, hey. No, therapists aren't there to tell you what to do. They're there to help you figure things out. They're exactly. there to, let, to educate you to say, hey, this is why you're going through this, what you're going through. These are some of the things that you could do to help and or figure out for their self because everybody does have their own way to cope with things. Okay. What do you, you already do things already that make you feel better. You go to some people like take a bath or, you know, Oh, you know, I noticed I do that. So it's just helping them waking that up in themselves and identify and heal in a, in a, in a professional safe way to be able to say, you know, I like identify pain and identify, you know, a lot of times when people are going through things, they also have a lot of negative towards themselves and they feel bad towards themselves. So having a professional sit there and say, no, you know, redirect those thoughts and teach you how to do that because that's what's happening. You know, we don't, that's a skill there. Obviously if you're feeling impaired by it, so you're depressed or you're anxious and you know, you don't do things, you, your relationships are suffering those are impairments you know so it kind of helps you identify that stuff because sometimes people are going through life not realizing like there's you know something really really wrong and their well, life I think, is that, just... I think that applies to a lot of people honestly like mm-hmm. yeah. people that have like you, you, you don't have to have ptsd no to be able to um to like i mean i honestly i think everybody could benefit from going to therapy because i mean Thank you. you're learning yes. you're learning tools <laughs> to navigate life you're learning tools to navigate stressors in life um you're learning um you know uh, about introspection which you know everybody we should be we should be doing anyway um you know you, you're, you're learning to to do these things and think about all of these other like little i don't know what i'm saying a uh, little you know uh <laughs> kind of lost my train of thought but you, you get what i'm saying though like yeah, i think exactly. everybody could benefit from it yeah, yeah. Everybody um, gets some, especially right it's now, like man. this is this is how i this is how i explain because i i get kids coming to my my office i'm i'm doing therapy with five years old six year old seven year olds eight, eight all the way up until like 20 21 25 um i've never had a 25 year old client though but anyway so my their kids and sometimes the kids don't want to they don't want to be in therapy and i'm just like hey there's no other place you could kind of go maybe there is or some places people say but there's this place you get to go for one hour a week, sometimes it's more, you know, a week more than that, whatever, or less than that. And just talk about yourself and like figure things out, like what's going on inside of you and have somebody there to collaborate, collaborate that with you and support you through that and kind of help you. And like you said, give, 
Kevin give you tools to just kind of navigate that. And everybody has different tools. So not everything works for everybody. So it's helping that person figure out what is it for you. And then you get to just focus on yourself for a whole entire hour. <laughs> and yeah. it's, you know, sometimes people buy into it and it also depends on the relationship. And I do say like, if you get a therapist that you're not like, do your research on the person and you get there and you're not vibing, then you don't, you know, I say move on because you have to be able to connect. If you can't connect to that person, you're not going to be able to be your authentic self in that in that space and that's what's important for for change is to be able to show up and be comfortable doing that with that person sitting across from you so mm-hmm. you have the right it's like you're a consumer like uh you switch it out like i'm not happy i need to move on so i've I don't had know. a couple different therapists and when i realized that i could say hey i want to talk to somebody more like me meaning like hey black folks you listening you can ask for a person of color from the VA to mm-hmm. be your therapist if that's something that will make you feel better you know people of color or whatever you know you can you can talk to who makes you feel better for that one hour man and for that one hour you can just let go and it fucking feels fantastic <laughs> let me tell you I mean well, more often you know, than not it, it's not it's not easy Cause you're gonna you're gonna open up some fucking heavy duty shit sometimes in those in those hour meetings, but you got to do it, and it feels awesome to to be done with it. To me, when I was um another thing another thing that I hear, and I you know I'm guilty of saying it too, but I don't want to go talk to a therapist who has never experienced what I experienced. So unless they're a veteran who's been to combat, then what do they know about what I'm experiencing? And <clears throat> while that may be true about what you're specifically experiencing, that doesn't mean that they don't have the knowledge or the tools to give you to be able to circumnavigate the issues that you're having. And that's the whole point in a therapist. I mean, sure, you can talk to somebody who's been through the exact same thing that you have gone through and that helps them help you. But that doesn't mean that somebody who hasn't gone through it can't help you as well. Because like you said, it's not the therapist's job to fix you. They're not snapping their fingers and and doing some hocus pocus spell and bam, you're fixed. And it's not their, their personal experiences that's going to fix you. It's the tools that they can give you that will help you fix yourself. Yeah. You still, right. And I think it's, but I think it's important to like, like you're right, exactly what you're saying, Kevin, but also make doing the research on that person because you do want to be able to still connect, even if that person went through the same thing you do. So usually um, you could either like, everybody has credentials and then they usually in places you could get like their background. When you're doing your private insurance, sometimes um, you can, when you're looking at a person, they have their own little like paragraph of who they are, what their, their um, like, like school of thought is like their, what, you know, what they're experiencing it. Cause it's different ways of approaching therapy for you military guys that's like uh, their mission statement Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you sometimes they have that and then you get their picture and a little bit about themselves their education and it you know it i it makes a difference so like like doing your research on that person and trying to find that connection that you know prior even just picking out a person because it is it is going to be somebody you're going to talk about that difficult stuff with and you want to be able to and if you pick somebody and you don't feel comfortable with them after a couple of sessions you could always pick somebody else you know Mm -hmm. um and i i would always say like your priority don't 
worry about that therapist's feelings because they shouldn't take it personal. A therapist's goal is always to be client care first. That's one of our mission statements in one in, in it, you know, well here in the state of California is client care is priority. So if that means you can't provide the services, if I get somebody to come to me and then I, I, you know, I don't specialize in eating disorders, I have to refer them to somebody who is going to, you know, that specializes in that. So, you know, you just, you know, you know, you just, you just know, you just find the right person that's, that is. And if you can't, you know, if you're not ready for therapy, just figure something out. Like think like, I don't know. It's hard. I know it's hard because, you know, you're not there. We're not there in that person's shoes, but yeah. it starts with something like get some literature. We, we go and, you know, figure out things that make you happy. Yeah. You know? Starts with the start. You yeah. Start somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to switch gears slightly. Uh, the world right now currently is in a really weird situation. Uh, we got veterans over here literally packing up bags and heading over to the, to Ukraine to fight. Uh, what would you say to a veteran right now listening um, to kind of calm their nerves about what's going on? Um, not, not on a political standpoint, like on a, on a, on a point of, Hey, you know, it's okay. We can deal with this together if we just talk because like personally, I've talked, spoken to some friends of mine and they're, they're freaked out about this whole thing. They're like, Oh, it's nuclear war. It's this and that. I'm like, nah, man, just hold on. You just have to breathe and different look at a different news source. Maybe and or actually look at the news period to try to figure out what's going on. Um, a lot of people uh, that I've spoken to, they're, they're starting to have flashbacks looking at some of the stuff on the news about these towns being attacked. Um, what would you say to those people who are stuck uh, looking at the news right now? Worrying. Well, well, I would definitely say not not to because don't look at the news. Like limit yourself what you're, you know, what you're exposing yourself to if you know it's triggering you. But I'm going to kind of flip it on you because sometimes when you're dealing with, like you said, veterans who are hypervigilant, their 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 you know trauma is being triggered. They're having these symptoms. I'm going to put the responsibility on the loved ones. You know your veterans are going through this stuff. You pay attention to them. You check in on them. You go spend some time with them. You <clears throat> let them know, like, hey, I see you responding this way. You, maybe you need some extra support, and you bring it to their awareness because they're in, they're in their fight or flight mode. They're, you know, and you guys, you know, do some research on what that is. You know, just figure that out, and you probably already know. You know that that automatic response that that kicks in when we feel like we're in harm's way when people who have PTSD and they're triggered and they're feeling like they're they're uh, they're about to be exposed to their trauma again that that's what's going to happen they're going to get um, their their response so whatever that looks like so if that's fighting or or or, or you know flight mm-hmm. you know flight or you know flight or fight so. You know, we, ha- we, ha- we as the, and it doesn't have to just be like a family member because I know some people don't have their family around, but you have, you know, friends and 
your coworkers, if you're a coworker and, and you know this person, you're a male person, anybody who knows the veteran, you know, you reach out and, and support them. Yeah, keep an eye on that social media too, man. That, <laughs> yeah, that like social just stay media off of that. Is, is is the window to people's souls, and uh, they'll post some stuff, and you'll be like, "Man, I should probably talk to that person." You should mm-hmm. probably talk to that person. It's no, mm-hmm. you should probably just do it. Say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, reach out." Like, "Hey, man, I see what what you posted on here. Like, are you cool? Are you good, man? Do we?" Not to like, do I need to come talk to you or anything like that? Or do I need to come talk to you? What do you need to, so I can help you out? Because, you know, it's a, it's a good to have that voice on the side, that person on the side that you can stop and be like, hey, I mean, Sylvia's mine, definitely. Where I can, you know, lately, especially the, uh, with my therapy, I have been able to express myself a lot better with her. Hopefully, I think she's been seeing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice to have you there to be able to talk to. And, um, I think people just need somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. if it's not just somebody to talk to something to do to, I don't know, man, I, I really don't know. I, I have no clue on, on how to deal with this. I always sit there and we always say, you know, we, the, we, the, uh, death by PowerPoint about like veteran suicide and all that kind of stuff. We always say, yeah, go and talk to that person. But you know, if that person doesn't want to talk, what are you going to do? We're in a weird spot. And, and that's, and as I was going to say that too, like, like Kevin said before, people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to, you know, no, don't, sometimes people don't want to ask for help. Sometimes they don't even realize they kind of need help. They're just in that state of mind right now. Of like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta protect myself. I gotta be safe. So they're going through their thoughts. Aren't even really able to focus on reasoning and stuff like that. So you know, that's why I said, if you know somebody and, and it's like, sometimes we have to just be a community and, and look out for each other. You know, um, if, if we, you know, know somebody and we just need to like, just, and not just a one-time thing, like just reach out to people, you know, be there for somebody. I was going to say, um, so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> just asking, Hey, is everything okay? If, if, if the, if the person you're asking, this is coming from like my personal experiences, you know, somebody asked me like, you know, when they start grilling me about how I'm doing or my mental health or if I'm feeling fine, I get annoyed. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's just my, that's just me. I get annoyed with it. But like in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, it's nice to have somebody ask. It's nice to have somebody care. Um, so even if the person like, if, you know, for the friends and families out there of, the, of these people that you're worried about, you know, like Tyree said, if you see something and you're like, man, I should call them fucking call them then like do it like right then call them or text them or send them an email whatever your correspondence is and even if they act annoyed with you reaching out to them in the back Mm -hmm. of their mind they may be like well fuck man somebody cares so that's cool you know what i mean so like that's still seed in their head man but also part of ptsd also also part of ptsd is irritability so that's a symptom (laughs) (laughs) right so i mean it's 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 a thing though in in the back of my mind my you know like one of my sisters is 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 super 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 uh uh, great at um checking in on on me and how i'm doing and um i'm sure she can tell by the tone of my voice that you know like i get annoyed with it but you know at the same time like she is you know um she she cares and she's expressing that and i understand that and so in the back of my mind it's like you know I mean, I, I know at the end of the day, I know that I have people that care about me. And so like <clears throat> when, when I get down in that hole and I start to kind of spiral, um, 
you know, if, if, if I can find my way to like remind myself that like, you know, this, this, and this is going to sound kind of fucked up to say, but like, it's, it's, it's not just about me. Right. Like if I, if I take my own life, it's not about me. Like I'm not just hurting myself or whatever. I'm, you know, hurting the people around me. And I, you know, I will say if you ever encounter somebody who is um, suicidal, like that's the wrong angle to take. Don't ever tell them like, well, how will this make everybody else feel? Because that's a, that's a guilt trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you are yeah. right on target. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you, you're not trying to guilt trip them into staying alive. You know what I mean? Like you want to, you want to make them feel their worth and, and their reason that they need to be alive mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. they can live their life and find their purpose and, and so on and so on and so on. But it's not, it's not about you, right? Don't turn around and make it about you. You know what I mean? But at the same time, when I'm in those moments, um, you know, especially for folks in the military, it's a, it's a selfless job, right? So we, we do our job for other people. That's the, that's the basis of it. So we do have that aspect in our, that, that mentality in our mind that like, this does affect more people than me. Um, and if that's what prevents them from doing it, then fine. But like, it doesn't need to be you guilt tripping them (laughs) for those reasons. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. sound uh, helpful or it's not helpful at all. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. As a police officer, I've been to several different kind of uh, calls and I've worked domestic violence for a long time where uh, there are veterans, two veterans in relationships. Imagine that. Jesus. Uh, they're in there duking it out. You know, it's crazy. Like, please talk to somebody before you get to that yeah. point. Um, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I know, uh, we're going to run a little bit short on time unless you guys have more, uh, stuff to go on really. Um, Kevin. No, I mean, um, I, I feel like, uh, I mean, we, we, I don't want to say that talking about this subject is, 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 uh, I mean, we, we talk about it a lot and I think that we should. Right. I don't think this is one of those subjects that you could consider beating a dead horse. Right. And this is one of those subjects uh-huh. that you could that, that needs to be talked about constantly. Um, and that more people need to talk about it. I really wish that all of these people on social media, these fucking influencers, I wish that they would use their platforms to talk about this more. And some do. Right. But like, you know, not near enough are right. And it's not just for veterans. It's for anybody who suffers from, you know, uh, um, a, a mental problem, a mental health. Yeah, thank and you I really wish that like more people actually took this shit serious. And I really am. And, and this is, this is, this is a pat on our own back, but I'm, I'm glad that we are, are taking this approach and taking um, utilizing our platform to be able to, to do this. And I really hope that this inspires other people to do this. And I really hope that like having Sylvia on and with, with, um, with her background, um, with your background and, and like what got you into it and where you are with it now and your passion about it. I, I hope that encourages or motivates somebody else, um, at least one other person to, to get into the same field and mm-hmm. follow that same path um, to have that sort of that impact um, in the same way. Um, so I think in that regard, yeah, I mean, this, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like I, you know, that's all I have to say, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on guys. I, I really appreciate it. I do, you know, I, this is something, it's my passion. It's my, my, you know, something I just really believe in and it helped me. Like I said, like, you know, I have my own issues and my trauma stuff. And I think that, um, 
you know, being able to support my husband and, 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 you know, that's kind of been one of the goals as well. And hence seeing him make the changes and feel better and be able to manage in those moments. And I could tell like, he's just, or he lets me know like, Hey, I'm going to go, you know, do my workout or whatever. And I was like, Oh, can I come? And he's like, you know, he hadn't been able to say, no, I need to, you know, have my moment. And then me have to be okay with, okay, he needs his moment. So just learning how to be able to communicate with each other and like, you know, in a relationship, you know, with your significant other is, is helpful. So, you know, I'm a bit advocate of, of, um, mental health services, whatever that looks like, you know, individual therapy, family therapy, you know, um, group work, all of the above, uh, you know, there's just a lot of support out there and just, you know, I, I'm a big advocate for just finding whatever works for you. You know, you don't have to go through anything by yourself. You know, you could create your own, you know, network of people. Um, the important thing is just remember like you deserve, everybody deserves to have, the best quality of life that they can provide for themselves, you know, and you just, it is a work and you got to do that for yourself. So, you know, thank you for letting me come on and talk about this stuff with you guys. I know it's, it's a sensitive situation, a sensitive, sensitive subject. So, you know, um, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And we can't stress this enough folks talk about it like find someone that you feel comfortable talking like like sylvia said it doesn't it can be your church it can be you can go to the vet center if you're a veteran you can go to the va you can talk to your neighbor you can talk to your damn cat for all i care mm-hmm. just talk about it you right? can because talk to even, us and, and, you know I, um, you know yeah. i hate to cut you off hold on a second <clears throat> yeah you're good <laughs> so rant. on our i'm gonna fucking bust out a rant right now on our before i forget facebook page um, we asked for people to send us messages, uh, people from our, our background, our veteran background, we asked, uh, didn't get much of a response. Now I'm asking for anyone who listens to this show, period, you know, send us something, uh, if you need help, if you need someone to talk to, shoot us a message and, you know, hopefully we might be able to point you in the right direction with some help. Um, we're always waiting. We're never getting, but you know, whatever. Uh, we're here, you know, send yeah. it, send it in. We want it. We will put, we'll, yep. we'll, if it's cool, man, if it's cool with you, we'll put it in a show. Like we want other people to hear, you know, how, you know, things have impacted you. We want to hear about it. We, we, uh, we're excited to hear about that. It's not something that is just, you know, we're just throwing this shit out there into the ocean and hope it floats. No, man, we we're trying to fucking help out people as much as we can. And one of the best ways we can do that is if we know if it's working. Sometimes we, we need the feedback. So hit us up. Let us know how things are going with you. Like, honestly. Yeah, you can you can comment on a post. You can message us directly on there. Um, uh, we have an Instagram account, too, by the same name before i forget podcast and um and uh i i I manage that one um so like yeah we 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 do check our messages um you know and we do respond to them and we do try to do this we can and actually that kind of segues into what we're planning for next season so like this season has mostly been you know it's it's been you know people from our our specific community from the 26th infantry regiment 
um, during our deployment and, and the people that, that have been around all of that. Um, but as, moving forward, once we go into, you know, the future seasons, uh, we want to open it up to anybody from, you know, you know, different deployments or different, even different wars, you know? Um, so if you have people in mind or you are one of those people and you want your story told, hit us up and let us know you're interested and yeah. we would love to get your story out there as well. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, on the show, like you will record with us and you will have your own episode that you can send to all your friends and family um, and be able to tell your story as you remember it before you forget it. As Sylvia, it's easy, right? Hmm? Yeah. You're still, are you still nervous? <laughs> oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, where's off? First. I mean, now I'm nervous because everybody now has to actually hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't say anything insane, so you're good. But okay. check wow. this out, folks. Everyone listening on that note, I believe that was the last. Sylvia is the last uh, last guest of this season, I think. Mm-hmm. I think from here on out, it's just me and Kevin. Uh, you guys saved the best for last. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, th- this was a, a crazy experience. I, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll have a, a good outro for the last show, but. I'm I'm glad that I was able, me personally, Tyree Brown, I was able to share all of my friends, my close people that I love so much, including my wife, who, who you know, I don't share with anybody, uh, to put out all this kind of information to the world. And I want to thank everyone who was involved. It was really cool. I can't thank you enough. There's not enough words in the English language or any language known to man that I can use to thank you enough for uh, being involved in this. So thank you. Yeah, same. You're welcome. And I, I, so this is, this is our, this will be the 24th episode. So we still have one more. And I think that what we're planning, you and I, where we talk about the season and then the final episode, which um, since the original idea hasn't, has, is, is not panning out. Uh, Tyree, I actually have another idea, idea, idea that I'll, I'll, uh, I'll call you about. Okay. On the side, see, y'all are privy to some sideline information. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> hey, and on that note, what we're going to do is go ahead and shut down this show. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for tuning in to uh, Before I Forget. Sylvia has her own uh, theme. I'll run with oh, yes. it. We girls, we run the world. Yep. You know it. I'm all for the women, the girls. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Uh, please like, listen, subscribe, share. And thank you so much. We love you. Peace. Take care. Hey, everybody. Uh, Tyree here with Before I Forget. And if you or anyone close to you is having any suicidal thoughts or ideas, uh, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's at 800-273-8255. They're always open, so if you uh, need to talk to somebody, give them a call. Thank you, and thank you for listening to Before I Forget.